Thank you, praise team. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, folks, we're continuing a study. If you would take a Bible, I hope you brought one with you. Uh, if not, if you look around, share it with somebody, that would be wonderful. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, uh, we're preaching through the books of the Bible because sometimes when we just go to the Bible and we just want to touch the topics, we tend to touch the topics that we want to touch and we tend to dodge the topics that are awkward for us. Ecclesiastes, uh, at least the first 11 chapters, seems to fit for me into that awkward stage because there's a lot of things in Ecclesiastes that we're finding that are a bit confusing for us. But actually, we would hopefully, hopefully we would find that it all has a purpose and a meaning because it talks a lot about no purpose and no meaning. I think about uh, this verse. Um, uh, and this is, comes from Proverbs. As you're finding your place in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, Where there's no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance, an abundance of counselors, there's safety. And so the scripture, I believe, indicates for us and instructs us. It tells us this, folks. We, we need to have people in our lives that speak wisdom. We need to have, in fact, a pursuit of wisdom in our lives where we're seeking understanding, where we're seeking guidance, where we're seeking safety. And all of these things come through wisdom. So the, the concept there uh, that the author of Proverbs tells us is this. He says that we need to have multiple counselors and can I tell you moms one of the things that I think about this morning especially for you is what a wonderful avenue of wisdom you are for us that I know in my life we see that uh, I turn to my mom and my dad as well but I do turn to my mom and I seek the counsel of my parents as I'm seeking to make a wise God-honoring decision it's it's intelligent for us, if you will, to do that. So moms, thank you for that. Thank you for being that avenue for us of pursuing and finding wisdom in our lives. I'd like to read with you Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, and then we're going to discuss it a little bit in light of uh, what the Scripture indicates for us. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I'm going to read from the English Standard Version of the Bible, and if you have another translation, I think you should easily be able to follow along with this text. Verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that's done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. That sounds a little discouraging. We weren't expecting that twist, were we? He says in verse 14, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. We talked about that last week, chasing the wind. Huh. Verse 15, he says, What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom. Now hear that. Surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied, there's that word again, I applied my heart to know wisdom. That's what he was searching for. I want to know wisdom and to know madness and to folly. That kind of comes along with it. We'll talk about that. I perceive that this also is but a striving after the wind. 
For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Yeah, oh, we made it through chapter one, right? Here's the idea with Ecclesiastes, uh, and if you have the yellow sheet there, there's a yellow sheet that's provided for you that uh, will be a sermon guide. Go along with a PowerPoint if that helps you out. But the idea of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 12 through 18 is that we all are seeking and we have this desire to understand. We want to understand. And one of, the, uh, one of the things that I think about with a desire to understand for me, I know that there's the, 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 the six questions, the who, the what, the when, the why, the where, the how. We, we ask those questions when we're trying to figure something out usually. There's actually three of those that I really wrestle with and I think I use a lot. You see, the first question here is this for me. I tend to ask why a lot. I'm kind of like a three-year-old in a lot of ways because I want to go to the why question. That helps us get to the purpose or the motivation behind anything. And can I share with you, I don't know if you're like this, but, but I know I do this. My prayer life a lot of times can be summed up with a why. I mean, it's just, why, God, are you doing this? Why, God, did you allow this to happen? Why, God, is this going on? Why, God, is this person on the face of the earth? No, wait, I remember the phrase that. Why, God, is this person in my life? Does that, does that sound better? It didn't sound better, did it? It sounded good in my head. We ask why, I ask why, a lot. I mean, why is one of the foundational motivational questions for me? I want to know why certain things happen, why certain things are going on, why certain things are allowed. And I, I have this desire that just kind of burns inside of me. I want to understand, so I ask why. Now that leads me to, get this, that second one there is going to be when. And if my prayer life can't be summed up with why, let me tell you, I'm going to knock it out with when. When, God, are you going to do this? When, God, are you going to move? When, God, are you going to answer my prayer? God, I want you to do what I want you to do. And I'd like to know when you're going to get around to it. We ask when a lot in our spiritual lives. When is this going to take place? When are we going to get to move? When are we going to get to act? When are we going to see answer here? When are we going to find healing here? When are we going to have this heaven experience? And so our lives, in a lot of ways, is just driven by a search for understanding. I want to know when, I think, I think, but I'm not sure why. You see how that works? So the concept there, we have the why and the when and then the third one that's just, I'm telling you, drives me how. How. I want to understand how things work, how things happen, how things will work out. And i got to tell you, I'm constantly seeking this understanding, seeking. There's a desire that just burns inside of us. Can I say something to you from Ecclesiastes before we really get into it any further those aren't bad questions. Those aren't bad questions. And as we looked last week, and we'll, we'll continue to look as we go through the book of Ecclesiastes, it's wise for us, it's healthy for us to ask 
questions and seek understanding. And what we really touched on last week, if you'll remember, is this. That burning desire inside of you to know why or when or how, though that burning desire comes from God. It should recognize, it should identify, in fact, inside of us that when I begin to desire understanding, that that's something God's put inside of me, that God has given me this driving desire to know why, when, how. So don't feel bad about the idea that we want to understand things. Wanting to understand your situation is where you should be. I mean, honestly, it's where you should be. I wonder, why did God, how did God, when did God, how did all of this come about? And one of the, one of the hardest things for us in the in this striving after the wind, is what the author says, is when we start to look back. And so let's see if there's testimony of this. Are any of you in any way, would you be able to look back, and let's just, uh, let's go back, I don't know, let's go back just 10 years. That's not long, is it? 10 years happens in the blink of the eye. How many of you, have been utterly amazed at your journey over the past 10 years. I'm talking, you've said, man, I, I didn't see the why coming, and I don't know how the how happened, and I don't know when the when was. But the past 10 years, I give testimony and say, hey, 10 years ago, I can't tell you that this is what I was planning for, what I was looking for, what I was waiting for. I really don't know, but I'm amazed at how God has worked in my life, specifically the past 10 years. Let's see those hands, yeah? Yeah, okay, so some testimony there. Now, there's another 10 years now, and here's the idea. I never saw the past 10 years coming. I could say that to you. I never would have figured this out. I never would have chosen this path on my own. I see God's hand over my last 10 years. Now here today, I'm still having that desire to look forward and ask questions about the why and the when and the how. So I want to recognize today that God puts that desire inside of me. But I also want, as I'm thinking about the 10 years to come, can I share with you? God has something for you in the next 10 years. He has something for you in the next 10 years. And for some of us in this room, the next 10 years, get ready, is going to completely catch us off guard. This is what should promote inside of us faith that grows. You get that? Here's the second part of that statement. We have a desire to understand. And that's a God-given thing. That's a good thing to have that desire. But we've got to be careful because this desire to understand often is a desire to control. You see, if I can know the why and the when, oh wow, when, and if I can understand the how, the how I mean, sometimes can I tell you, my, what we would call faith walk, is me saying, hey God, tell me everything. You ever encounter that? Hey God, just tell me why you're doing what you're doing, why this is happening. Tell me God, explain to me, I demand an answer of when this is going to come to fruition, when this is going to be finished, when this is going to work itself out. And God, especially, I want to know how you're going to make this fit in my plan for my life. And can I tell you, we've crossed a line there. You see, a desire to understand, that comes from God. That should lead us to faith and to growing obedience, right? 
But when we cross this line and we come over here and we say, hey, I want to understand and I want to really get to the motivation. You're talking about a why question. Why do I want to know everything about a situation? You see, I think, and it's Mother's Day, all right? It's Mother's Day, so I want to honor moms, all right? But I do want to say this. Paul uses a phrase when he writes in the New Testament letters, and he says that, you know, this desire to understand is a good thing. But when someone wants to understand too much, maybe of someone else's business, maybe, maybe we want to get into someone else and say, well, well, why are you doing this? And how are you doing this? And why did you make this decision? Then Paul tends to refer to that in a negative context. So how do we find this balance? I should pursue wisdom. Yeah, I need some wisdom because that's going to be an abundance of counselors. That's going to provide for me safety. That's going to provide for me strength. We're going to see this. But at the same time, where does wisdom stop and faith take over? Where does wisdom stop and faith takes over? So there's this unique blend together for us of a balance between me seeking wisdom and me just trusting the Lord. And me, hey, listen, me seeking wisdom can be a power move. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to go talk to them. I'm going to get into this. But now there's this, hey, God, I don't get this. I don't understand this. And I'm just going to trust you. Let me show you. It says here, printed on your sheet, Proverbs 24, 5. Talk about a, a wise proverb. A wise man is full of strength. So that indicates that's a good thing, right? And it says that a man of knowledge enhances his might. Can I tell you, when I have more wisdom or more sometimes just knowledge of a situation, I feel empowered. And that can be good for us, but be careful. Be careful. That's the challenge for us from Ecclesiastes. It's not a book that we're going to blow through and say, all right, that's a great memory verse. Let's put that on a bumper sticker. Hey, I'm going to stitch that on my pillow. Striving after the wind, all is vanity. I hope you got better bumper stickers than that. Here's the concept. We've got to think through Ecclesiastes and engage in Ecclesiastes. Here's what he says. There's four things, actually, if you'll walk with me back through it. Verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And what we said and what we've talked about here is this. This is an indicator for us. In verse 12, this writer, possibly Solomon, we've said, could have unlimited resource. He's got unlimited resources. And what that means is that as the king, as someone that's in that uh, position of authority, this guy, if he wants to know the answer to a question, he can put the nations or the, 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 the whole power of the country behind the pursuit of that answer. Wouldn't you like to have that, right? I mean, he could, if he, he wants to know something, he can just pour some money in it, throw some gold at it, right? He can stamp that king seal on there and say, hey, I'm the king, I want to know, and I've got the authority to do this. This is what he's saying. He has unlimited resources. He has unlimited resources available to him. And so hear the message. Why does he keep pulling out that he's the king? It's not an ego trip. He's sending us this message. You and I might not have unlimited resources i mean when it comes to really understanding wisdom we've got what we call in mississippi uh book learning right book learning and then also we've got which some argue even better life experience yeah so with 
book learning and life experience, maybe we have access to a lot of that. But can I share with you, I don't have unlimited access. I mean, I've not had all the experiences in the world. I've not read all the books in the world. I've not taken all the classes. I feel like it sometimes. I've not taken all the classes in the world, though. So the concept here is this. This guy has unlimited resource. Look at verse 13 with me. He says, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out. And you look and you say, well, uh, to seek and to search out seems to be the same thing. To seek and to search out seems to be the same thing. So he's telling us there that he has a relentless pursuit. I have applied myself with my unlimited resources, and I'm going after the meaning of life. That's what he's searching for. He wants to understand all that wisdom has to offer. So get this. This king is sitting up in the palace, and he said, I want to figure out what life is all about. So I'm going to use all the resources that I have at my disposal, which is unlimited. And I want to go after it. This is my task, my agenda, my political, my, my political calendar is striving towards, he says, going after the answer, how much wisdom can I get in order to find happiness? Hmm. Verse 14 tells us this. Because we thought it was going well, sounded great. He says at the end of verse 13, he says, It is an unhappy business that God has given us to the children of man to be busy with. Verse 14, I have seen everything that is done under the sun. There's that phrase again he keeps using. And behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. And so he, he basically states a humble awareness for us. And that humble awareness tells us this. He said, I have used all the resources available and I have put all of my heart into it and I found that it's all empty. And again, we get to that hallmark moment, right? It's like, man, yeah, our church should put that in, a, in like a welcome packet, right? We have searched out all that wisdom has to offer and we found dissatisfaction we found dissatisfaction verse 15 what is crooked cannot be made straight i think about that wow there are some things that are crooked very simply can't can't be made straight right think about a very simple idea of that by the way because uh, uh sometimes not always but um i have access to office supplies at school and free time so you ever try to bend a paperclip perfectly straight who's done that you try to bend a paperclip perfectly straight mechanics i know you have at some point for some reason try to bend it perfectly straight right and i was doing that one day and i was like i got it pretty close i gotta tell you it wasn't perfectly straight though, but i got it pretty close you know what i thought man it'd be cool let me bend it back like it was that's harder gave it six eight hours but it was harder to do that right the concept here that he, that he presents is there are some things in life that are the way that they are because they're the way that they are, and you can't understand the way that they are, right? Immediately, Black Friday popped into my head. I don't know why. That's, that's weird. But he goes on, and he says, what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. So he has this avenue by which, as the king, if there's someone in the kingdom that is wise, he could call them in. If there's someone in the kingdom that is, 
you know, got a, a special field that they're great at, and he maybe just has a little knowledge there, he could call that guy in and say, hey, give me all the wisdom on this topic. He has that avenue, and it seems like, man, wow, once you've got access like that, and you've got control and authority and power, all that's wrapped up, and he can get all the wisdom that he wants and all the knowledge that he wants. And here's what he says. He says in verse 17, And applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this is also but a striving after the wind, for in much wisdom is much vexation. It seems like the more he knows, the more he realizes how much he doesn't know. Yeah? Recently, we had an opportunity, and many of you have, have prayed and supported us through this, but uh, my father went through um, a, a time in the hospital, Right? And I do, I want to say this, because I say some things jokingly, so I'll say this seriously. I love doctors, man. I love nurses. But for crying out loud, when you come in to tell us what's wrong, use English. English, right? Well, this is a, it's an enhanced hematoma. Great. Wait, is that great? Is that bad? What? I don't know what that is. And so in that experience, they would come in, and my dad, man, he had, I'll share with you, man, he had a, a doctor that was, you know, and there, there's fancy terms, I know that, but he had a heart doctor, right? But he also was having that stuff going on with his brain, so he had a brain doctor, right? And then he had just a regular physical health doctor, I huh? had that going on, and then he had a doctor over the third floor and a doctor over the second floor, and he moved back and forth one day twice, and then he had a doctor uh, that, that was over the ER, right? And those people are... Oh, smart. And I sit and I talk to them, and I have no idea, still to this day, no idea what some of them are talking about, right? And here's the idea. This king over Israel, this preacher, he went and he said, I'm going to go and figure it all out. I'm going to go and get all the wisdom, all the knowledge that I could possibly have because he had this understanding. If I could have all the wisdom all the knowledge I could possibly have, then that desire to understand things would then promote inside of me the spirit of control and power. I know that, I know that, I know that, I know that. Y'all ever met somebody that knows everything? Can you point at them? No, don't point at them. But you ever met somebody that knows something about everything? This guy would, this preacher would. And he said, I was seeking it because I thought that it was going to bring me happiness and joy in life and a feeling of contentment and satisfaction. And here's what he found. Ultimately, there are some things in this world that you'll try to understand and you'll just never understand. You see, there are things that happen under the sun that are ultimately, ultimately controlled by someone over the sun. And so what he tells us is this. We talk about the why question and the when question and the how question. But can I talk to you about the who question? Because I believe as you read through the book of Ecclesiastes in its entirety, what you'll find is this. It is not a book that's going to answer all the why, the who, the when. Excuse me, not, not the why and the, the how and the when. It's going to answer the who question, though. It's going to answer the who question. Wisdom is good, but it doesn't satisfy us fully. The more wisdom, the more 
life experience that we have, the more even book learning that we have, the more we're going to realize how small we are. So what he tells us, I think, two points from Scripture, all right? Pointing to the who is our responsibility. So moms, I'll tell you, and I offer some advice specifically for you, but also for all of us this morning. I think that there's two things we do in response to wisdom, especially as people around us are maybe in our line of works, consumed with the pursuit of wisdom, maybe with their marriages, next-door neighbors perhaps, maybe we have family members who are consumed with their understanding of why things are the way they are or how things are the way they are or when is this going to happen. As we have encounters with people who are convinced that more wisdom will provide more happiness. Two things we could share with them. One, I encourage you, church, to be available to them. To be available to them. Anytime someone comes to you and says, whether it be a work scenario, whether it be a home scenario, whether it be wherever it might be, anytime someone comes seeking, that's a great opportunity to represent. Anytime someone comes to you asking questions, that is a great opportunity for you. So I encourage you before you speak, and this is counsel for me as well, I've got to learn to listen and to care about the person more than I care about fixing the problem. That's a hard thing for me. I don't know if it is for y'all. But sometimes I'm like, hey, I can fix that. Here we go. Right, I know how to do that. When people come to us seeking counsel, seeking wisdom, and moms, you get this, I know a lot. But when people come seeking counsel, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And thank you that you know it's all right not always to have a perfect answer. I love that in my experience. Times when my mom would say, I don't know. (laughs) I came for really more than that. But she'd say, I don't know. I don't know. Here's why that's good. Be available to listen, but secondly, be a link to Jesus. And I want to show you, and we're just going to take a a quick walk through Scripture, but I want to show you how when someone comes to us and they're saying, I'm seeking after wisdom. I need counsel here. I need to know direction here. I need to know what to do here. That's a great opportunity. Definitely listen to them. Hear their heart. That's, That's a challenge. Hear their heart. But as you hear their heart, can I caution you? Don't be the source of all answers. Don't feel like you have to do that. So I invite you, I want to turn with you to to four different passages. We're just going to walk through Scripture. Turn back with me first to Job chapter 12, all right? We're going to read these four passages and uh, we'll be dismissed. uh, Job chapter 12, all right? I invite you to turn there, all right? I keep listening for pages and I realize that a lot of you have tablets, all right? Job chapter 12, all right? Give you a second to turn there. And in verse 13, If you're familiar with the book of Job, Job is struggling with the why and the when and the how questions of life. And God keeps giving him the who answer, if you will. Verse 13, the book of Job records, With God are wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding. One of the oldest books in the Bible records the primary source of wisdom where do we find wisdom and in that wisdom might 
It says it's found in God. Turn over with me then. Second passage you see is Isaiah. And I love Isaiah, verse, uh, Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. And I want to pick up reading Isaiah 55 beginning in verse 6. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Isaiah writes, Isaiah 55, verse 6. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. That's good stuff. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Verse 8. Verse 8 is a familiar verse. Maybe this is on a bumper sticker you have. I think this is phenomenal for us. God tells us through the prophet Isaiah 55.8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The idea is, and the, the greatest counselor I can go to should point me to know God. The greatest counselor I can go to should point me in a pursuit of knowing who He is and growing in my faith. So now, here's the balance for us. We're seeking wisdom in this world, in our experience, in our schooling. We're seeking wisdom, but that wisdom is going to ultimately, the author of Ecclesiastes would tell us, it should ultimately lead us to the source of all of wisdom. How can I know what's going on under the sun? Maybe sometimes I can't, but I can know the one who controls it. I can know the one who reigns over it. And his thoughts are not like my thoughts. His ways are not like my ways. Turn with me. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 into the New Testament. Moving towards Revelation. Romans chapter 11, beginning in verse 33. The Apostle Paul, Romans eleven thirty-three. He records this. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. If you can hear that, how deep is the knowledge of God? He knows all things about your situation. He knows everything about the how. He knows everything about the when. He knows everything about the why. And God has deeper depths than we can even fathom. He says, oh, I think that's an interesting Greek word there. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been His counselor or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? Huh. Hey church, what if God is bigger than you give Him credit for? What if he's wiser than anyone you can get on the phone or anyone you've ever met? What if God is the one who is allowing circumstance to happen in your life and those circumstances are being not just happenstance, uh-oh, whoopsie, that kind of junk, but what if God is allowing life and guiding life and guarding life in your specific situation today for this one purpose? He doesn't want you to understand life. That stuff's wasting away. What if He wants you to be drawn to Him and say more than an answer, 
I want a savior. More than an answer, I want a sovereign. I want someone who reigns and rules to know, hey, it's okay. It's okay. And we think about this with baby dedication. You'll see this, and I remember, said Claire was little. I remember there were times during storm, tornado sirens going off all around us, and we would gather her up. And as a baby, I remember there were times we were living in Georgia, and we would go into the bathroom. That has to be unique for a baby. And we, listening to the weather on our phones and sitting there in the bathroom for an hour or two hours, she never cries. And I'm thinking, shouldn't you be more upset? I kind of want to cry. I mean, you know. And here's the idea. She knew that mom and dad were going to take care of her. She knew she was as safe as she could understand. What if God, what if God, in your biggest confusion, <coughs> offers perfect peace in him? So, last passage, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, excuse me, Colossians chapter 2, forgive me. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul writes this, and we're done. He says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach, listen to this, all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge. Now, I like that right there. That's good. Once I have all assurance, once I have wisdom and knowledge, then I can have assurance. That's comfort. That's peace. That's control. I like that. But here's how he ties it. He says, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wow. What if God is the reason why we're all here? And what He wants from us is to have relationship with each and every one of us. So He definitely, we see immediately, is working in our lives, making life, or allowing life, controlling life, if you will, to make life hard for us at times, difficulty, confusion, lack of understanding. And what if he's doing that so that we would turn to him? And we would turn to him and say, I don't know how to even get close to a God like that. Get close to a God that has that kind of understanding, the depth of who God is. I don't know how to approach a God like that. And what if God in his wisdom, if he sent forth his son to become a man like us, to live a perfect life that we can't live, to die on the cross for us so that we now would have a bridge to Jesus Christ and that bridge leads us straight into this relationship with God. So I just, listen, I just thought I'd take a course online. There's more. There's more. I just thought I'd get a degree. I just thought I'd ask somebody what they thought. I just thought I would take a vote. I tell you, there's more available to us through Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, as we come to you today, we see, I hope, the struggle with Ecclesiastes. The struggle is that man is not God and only God is God. And so, Lord, we come to you today and we confess to you. We, 
I hope that our hearts would be open to this idea. You are greater than we are. You hold all wisdom and all understanding. Thank you for the desire inside of us. And Lord, I pray that you would stir the desire inside of us to know, to have knowledge. But let that be healthy, God. Let us seek after not just obtaining thought. But God, would you lead us to see you are the source of it all. Lord, draw us to you. Keep us, God from this empty pursuit of just living life day after day and it being empty, empty and meaningless. But Lord, instead, help us to find in you everything we're longing for and everything we're searching for so that we would have ultimately peace knowing that our Father has things in control. And it's these things we pray and we ask in your holy name.